Hello. Hello. Welcome back to Hide or Practice. We have Hannah Cole of Sunlight Tax here to talk to us about all things art taxes. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. I love it. So can you just give us like a, you know, the good elevator pitch rundown of how you got to doing what you're doing and like how you specialize and all of those good, you know, the good bullet points? Sure. Well, I'm a practicing artist and I've been doing that for about 15 years. So, um, so basically I learned everything the hard way <laughs> the first time. <laughs> and, um, it's the best way to learn. It sticks. <laughs> oh, it sticks. It sticks. It's the most painful and memorable. Um, so I, I came to a lot of my knowledge just organically. And basically over time, I, um, I just had some terrible experiences with accountants realizing what a poor cultural mismatch artists and accountants are for each other. And I just, I just thought, damn, I could do a better job than that. And um, eventually, like, there were many, many chapters here. I had a baby in New York City. I needed a job. I worked at an awesome interactive design agency. And then it failed because of an improper accounting or not good accounting. So that was another one of those, like, hard, painful lessons. And I was suddenly out of a job because of it. At that point, I didn't know accounting, and that was not my responsibility, just to be super clear. <laughs> but um, I was out of work, and I was like, well, I'm going to have to figure out the next step here. So I, at that point, went back to school for accounting. So I actually got trained, and I went back and got my enrolled agent's license, which is a federal income tax license that is issued by the IRS. So that is, so I'm an enrolled agent. And I started this company, Sunlight Tax, where I only serve artists. And I just want to do for them what never had been done for me. And like treat artists with the respect and admiration that they really deserve and see them as the whole thing. Because I think a lot of what artists do is for reasons outside of money, which isn't an excuse not to pay them, let's be clear. But, um, you know, we do things, we do things for community building and to make a big impact and, you know, because we love doing it. And so there are lots of other things that are valuable, but they don't show up on a balance sheet. And when you're sitting across from an accountant who all they see and all they care about is the numbers and you're like, wait, 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 but those like late nights with volunteers eating pizza so we could finish this mural. That's amazing. That's not reflected. <laughs> so, right. Um, yeah. So that, that's why I started Sunlight Tax. And honestly, I never thought I would love it as much as I do, but um being in the studio, I just, my paintings never tell me how much they love me, but my clients do. <laughs> <laughs> more, more direct communication. It's much more direct and immediate. Yeah. I mean, when I'm on the phone with somebody and they're like, oh my God, I never knew the difference between a Roth and a traditional IRA. I didn't realize I could actually save more than a million dollars by using this. I didn't realize that was accessible to me. Like those things are so fulfilling to me. That it's just like, I just love it. I just love what I do. Yeah. Well, you're supporting artists. I mean, like, this yeah. is literally artists supporting artists. Like, that's what you're doing. 
and like like the most like base white because these are the things that eric and i have talked about like these you know these administrative things that like i'm so excited right now like i'm a little turned on um like this like kind of like behind the scenes stuff like this is how you get your foundation strong and how you can build in ways like you don't even know because again like what's the difference between a roth ira and a regular ira Mm -hmm. and you can save money and it's just and it's and you're respecting the artists and that's so funny and important it's so it's so important Um, so let me ask because i know like very minimal math like two plus two equals four basically um it does right yes okay so if i need to know something about taxes or money where should i start tell tell me how you can help me to hi so i can help you like i don't i wouldn't even know where to start with this and i think that it's very important to be able to know how to file my own taxes Mm -hmm. because i need to do that I'm, i'm fairly sure yeah 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 well okay first i'm gonna totally add a tip attitude check you, Erica, if you don't mind. (laughs) Just the thing about being bad at math, like, I feel like, you know, artists say stuff like that about themselves all the time. Like, I'm not good at that. I'm not good at business. I'm not good at math. And like, the fact is artists do things like apply for grants, which are super, super difficult. So I just want to, I just want to come in and say, like, I, I think that we all, you know, any artist who's professional and out there working, like, gets their stuff together. So that sorry sorry to do that to you but that's where i'm going to start but secondly i think the most important thing for an artist to know is that for tax purposes like you may do i i was talking about doing things not always for money um but you need to know that for your own protection in your taxes it's very important that you be seen as a business and not a hobby basically all the benefits that accrue to you tax-wise come because you actually have a demonstrable, provable profit motive. So I know we're really cagey about talking about money and the desire to make money in the art world in particular, but actually the IRS, that is the number one thing they want to see. So that speaks to the cultural divide between the way artists talk about money and the way that accountants and, and tax people talk about money and that's important to understand. But just knowing you're a business and that for your own protection, you have to treat yourself like one. I think that is the biggest deal to get your head around. Wow. Really I know we're point. just silent here. We're <laughs> just, just like, digest. Like, <laughs> don't know what to do. <laughs> but it is. We're back to I mean, a lot of us nodding. I guess nodding, nodding mm-hmm. and smiling. Yep. This is good. This is why it's good. There's a podcast and you can't see us just dumbstruck. Um, (laughs) But it is, it's important. But I think this is something we've touched on, but not as like explicitly as this. It's like, this is like, you've got to get your money straight. And like, even if it's not like, oh, like it, you can have that perspective of like, I'm trying to make money. I'm trying to be like Jeff Koons. And it's like, no, I'm trying to get that romantic notion of I'm trying to communicate my vision. But, you know, unless you're just doing like a, even then, no, even if you're doing like a pure performance art, you have to feed yourself and you have to house yourself. So there has yes. to be funds to, and that can even go into, you know, getting grants and whatever other kind of support you need. But there has to be, we live in a capitalist society. We can't pretend like there's not an exchange for goods or talent. So it's good, to, but this is also good because it's like, if you're a business, like this is, this is how you have to reinforce your perspective of like, you have to value your time. And your talent, like the same way when we say this is how you 
price of painting. You know, mm -hmm. the painting is worth more than the paint on the canvas. Um, it's your time and your and the talent that goes into it. So this is, you know, this is all, it's a perspective shift of just, you know, romantic communicating uh, art, Absolutely. but it's good to have that as your, you know, part of a base. Absolutely. And I, I'm really, I'm really interested in artists, not just trying to get the minimum and even feel guilty about that. Like uh, I have to pay my rent, I have to eat food. Yeah. I actually really care that artists have some economic security and, and, you know, retirement funding. Yes. And I, um, because you can do that. Yeah. I didn't ask you if I'm allowed to swear, so I won't, yes. but no, I am. Do it. Okay. <laughs> I, I, the, the retirement stuff, you know, study, you know, psychological studies are really clear that people hate thinking about themselves when they're old and also retirement feels so distant. I think it's just, it feels impossible to people. It's like an unsurmountable hurdle, especially if you're kind of living a little bit hand to mouth at the moment. So I like to just rephrase it and just you don't even think about retirement think of it as your fuck you money just you need a giant pile the bigger your pile of fuck you money the more you can say yes to things you want to say yes to and say no to things you want to say no to and i don't know if y'all have experienced some abusive relationships in the art world they certainly have existed what? in my life no get out of here <laughs> NDAs. Mm. <laughs> oh god but having a some fuck you money is the your biggest source of power so um i just i'm push i know i'm pushing it a little by talking about power i know that's no but it is i mean this <laughs> happened this past week i was i'm gonna I'm, i had a client or a former client now who wanted a piece and you know i was never going to get a big commission on it um i was doing it more because i liked him and he's a friend of a, another client and he you know he made it very clear very quickly after we found an artist that he wanted to bypass me and the gallery. And I was like, oh. Wait, to buy your own work? No, 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 not my, I'm not an artist, I'm an art dealer. Oh, oh, oh. Consultant. Oh. And um, no, but we found an artist that he liked and right. they wanted to buy a piece and he wanted to, he made it very clear he didn't want to give me a commission and he didn't want to go through the gallery. Um, and as opposed to fighting him about it, because I could have, I, you know, I'm in a place where I could turn down the commission and I basically told him best of luck in lieu of a commission, please donate to this fundraiser my friend's doing for the unhoused in LA and may have casually dropped to the gallery that if he mentions my name, we're no longer associated and I could just, you know, fuck you bye. Because, but I, you know, there's been absolutely been times in my career where I have not, I would not have been able to do that. And I would have had to like very placated with him and like, this is why, and this is, you have to go through me. And I've been working on this with you for a year and blah, 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 blah. And the gallery and the contracts and the reputations and like, it's a dance. And I know you don't respect that, but like, it's a thing. Um, and I didn't have That's to. powerful. That's really it's powerful. powerful. And it's, and it's, you know, I haven't, I'm not able to do that with every, you know, jerk I've had, to, I will interact with in the future, but I was able to do it once. And it's really, it's nice. And I actually, again, uh, RIP Chadwick Boseman, I was reading an article with or an interview with him and he was going on about the, how he was able to say no to a lot of roles that he didn't want to take because of like his position and being able to say no to those 
he was able to say yes to the roles because he had the time in his schedule, the roles that we know him for now. Um, and I think that's also really powerful if we're going to get like more like romanced and like faded about it as like artists, it's like you say no to one thing, you know, you have all of the space for saying yes to the things that you want. Oh yeah. First of all, Wakanda forever. Right. Um, RIP. Um, but yeah, I mean, economists have a word for that. It's opportunity cost. Saying yes to horrible things means you don't have room to say yes to great things. Opportunity costs. Mm-hmm. That's really good. Write that down. <laughs> so, again. How, how can we start? Yeah. How can we start? Oh, how can we start to gather some fuck you money? <laughs> That's a great, that's a great question. Well, I will, I will say um, one of the best ways to do it is to just start with your basic IRA, you know, either a Roth or a traditional. There are other um, options. There's, there's even better ones for people making income as freelancers, which is most creative people, most artists. But just starting with this, the Roth and the traditional IRA, the 2020 allowance uh, maximum contribution is $6,000 a year. And if you break that down by week, that's $120 a week. Now, I realize you know, money is a f- very loaded thing. And I know that for some people, $120 per week feels manageable. And some people are like, uh, I could never do that. So I get it. I get it. But just stick that number in your head and think about it. Um, even if it has to be a goal for now um, and not entirely attainable, but putting that into a Roth or traditional IRA is like, it gives you this, there's this huge tax shelter given to you every year that really helps you um, grow your investments faster. Um, and that's the IRAs. So using those, I think is, a, is the place to start with your fund. You. Just so you, just because the six of the cap doesn't mean that you couldn't put in a hundred dollars a year, which is more than nothing, you know? Oh, absolutely. A hundred dollars is great. If what you can afford is a hundred dollars. Great. I, I wrote an article called the second best time is now. And it's based on this Chinese proverb that says, um, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago, but the second best time is now. It's the oh same God. with saving. <laughs> like yes. it was better if you started 20 years ago, 10 years ago, but your, sec- your second best option is do it now. So, Do you have a link to that? Can you send that so we can put it in our little blurb? Happily, happily. Awesome. Yeah. So guys, that'll be in the blurb so we can read that. Definitely. So sorry, um, as a non-American citizen, I just, I wanted to know, so an I-R-A, like the letters I-R-A, or is it I-R-8, like an, a, the number, or? Yeah, good, good question. I'm glad you're clarifying. Um, I-R-A is an abbreviation that stands for Individual Retirement Arrangement. And the reason it's called individual is because it happens outside of your workplace. So it happens outside of your freelance activity. And if, you have an, if you're an employee somewhere, it happens outside of your workplace. You may also have a workplace retirement fund. If you have those, those are even better. Typically, you should always do the workplace one first and max it out because there's great other things like matching contributions from your employer. Um, I don't know how these things are structured in... Um, in the UK, um, or even if they have them, but the American, you know, I mean, maybe you have pensions in the UK. We don't they have do. that here. Yeah. So <laughs> we have, if you're going to do it yourself, the way the Americans are going to make you primarily, 
they at least will give you a tax shelter to make it a little easier and make your money grow faster. I think this is really interesting because we were taught, we, my generation, I, maybe, I don't know, any one of those pronouns just now, um, to put, if you are able to, to put away 20% of your save, of your paycheck into savings in order for you to save every month. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that is something that has been learned quite a long time ago, maybe. I don't know. I feel like it was like a common thing to pass down from like your employer or your mother. Be like, save your money. Mm-hmm. Um, don't go and buy candy. Like, and you're just like, why would I do that? That's so silly. Um, and now I think it's also interesting to, to think about your fuck you money. And it's like, really, if you want to hone that in early on, is to go and put away that $100 or whatever it is a week mm-hmm. and then start doing that because that sense of the, what's the word I'm looking for? The incremental, what's the word? Incremental something, com- compound value. Is it compound like, interest? oh yeah, compound interest over time. It just, it becomes so powerful because it doesn't seem like, and you don't even have to go and put away like, a it could be a hundred dollars a month. It could be like whatever yeah. it is and change it over time as you earn more, as you're able to whatever more. And, but just know that you have that buffer for yourself. I think that's something that we don't, we don't think that it makes a difference because it seems like it's such a small amount. I will really? say in the mm-hmm. U.S. too, a lot of, I don't know about the U.K. banks, but you know, they make it so much easier now to like have automatic transfers of 25, you know, just mm-hmm. monthly or weekly into accounts. Um, I know that I had one for a while that I totally forgot about that I set up to keep me from overdrafting in college. <laughs> that was 25 bucks a month. And it, um, you know, all of a sudden, like I had like a couple thousand dollars in there that I totally forgot about until I was able to access online banking in, you know, the late 2000 aughts, because uh, I'm old. And all of a sudden, I was like, huh, I got money. Um, and then I, of course, immediately had like a car accident, and I had to use it all, but buffer. <laughs> and, but it was $25 a month, and I didn't notice it, honestly, going, because that's not like a crazy thing. Um, but those incremental amounts, yeah, maybe you can't afford 160 a week, but like $5 a week, $10 a week, $20 a month. It adds up big time. And when you start to, when you start to get more money in your life, bump it up. You know, it's the whole trick is habit. If you like, you're, you're not going to grow a huge nest egg with one-time contributions. Grant you one-time contributions are great. If you get the MacArthur award, great. Put a huge lump sum. Awesome. And next year, so 2021, we'll give you a call. (laughs) I'm expecting one. Yeah. I'm crossing my fingers. Um, But I mean, I helped it. I had a client who won the art prize a couple of years ago. And so that was $200,000. Not only that, but they give it at the worst possible time of year. They, I mean, not that anyone's going to complain when they get that money, but they gave it like a week before the end of the year. So <laughs> she was smart enough to know like, oh, I think there might be some things I should do with this tax wise before this week is over, like before January 1st. <laughs> So she called me and we, we worked out a way to stash as much of it into her fuck you fund as we possibly could. Um, but it was great. We saved her like $22,000 in taxes. Ooh, very nice. That was worth something. <laughs> so now I'm curious. I am 
hypothetical scenario. So I am, I've just finished art school. Mm-hmm. I would like to be an artist. Mm-hmm. And like, that's my career trajectory. I'm going to, I'm going to do it. Yay. So in terms of money, what do I, what do I need to think about? What do I need to factor in and put aside and like the whole thing? I don't know what to do whatsoever. Yeah. Okay. That's a really good question and a good place to start. Um, So even before you put the money into your fuck you fund, you have two other priorities. So you can think of three buckets. The very first thing you want to do is you want to have an emergency fund. Um, Alexis was just talking about how she had one and then instantly had to use it. So emergency fund first, that's your, I don't, want to lose my housing fund or I, whoops, I got fired or, oh my goodness, this situation I'm in is super abusive and I got to get out of here. Um, emergency fund, big deal. That should be three to six months of your living expenses. Um, I actually think that for freelancers, for artists, because our life and our income is so jumpy and inconsistent that it's, if you can do a six to 12 months, even better. I know that's kind of hard to do, but it's a good goal. So that's the first one. And then the second one is pay down your high interest debt because high interest debt is doing the opposite of savings. It's actually, it's compounding, compound interest on your debt is making the debt grow. So that debt is actually getting bigger and bigger and bigger and pulling you down. Um, So you want to get rid of that. Typically that's credit cards. Um, Student loans, rates vary a lot. Like federal loans probably have a pretty good interest rate. You don't have to be so concerned about those, but anything above 8%, you want to get rid of that as fast as you can. Um, Then you want to start investing and you, you basically want to have a habit. So how much can you set aside each week, each month? Um, And you want to make that a goal and you just want to keep checking in with it. So it's, it's not something you do once. It's something you want to like have a habit about. Um, so yeah, that's, those are the three, I would say those are the three things. That's, that's a really broad strokes, but emergency fund, pay down high interest debt, and then start building up that fuck you money. So in terms of age, mm-hmm. if I'm okay, if I just finished grad school, so I'm 23 to 25, think maybe um people what, go to grad school later you're you're in age thank, and thank earlier you. i'm i'm in age we might have some we that. might have some like you know real bright kids listening to this and they're like Fair. 17 you, they're like i'm getting my phd that's true they're i hope they're listening um what is my top priority i've just finished my mfa or my ma and now i'm gonna go out and be an artist as my career path what is my top priority that out of the three buckets, what do I need to hone in first? Well, definitely the emergency fund. Um, I mean, COVID is a pretty good il- illustration of why, how weird stuff can happen and um, your economic situation can shift right under your feet, even though you thought otherwise. So the emergency fund, yeah, still, that, I wouldn't change my order. Love that. I wish this was available when I was 22, but then really 25 because 2008 happened. Um, but the emergency fund's nice because it also feels you can be a little bit braver. And then I think this also doubles with like, how are you, when we've talked in the past about like how you 
price your work and like when you're thinking about what your hours are worth and you're going over what your expenses are for a year and how much money you know you need to make mm -hmm. you should factor in like your savings like I need to factor in six thousand dollars a year for my IRA that I'm setting up and mm -hmm. that how that's how you can get you know that kind of stuff budgeted um my next question so how do you deal with I mean because I know that like this is going to be, you know, this is between an artist and their tax preparer. Uh, but there's like things that you can like, what do people artists need to save in terms of like receipts or things that they need to make money, uh, you know, if they're spending money on to be like, Oh, like I can write off my art supplies because this is a business. I can write off my office chair because this is a business. Like where should they be? You know, just like, just, you know, if you're going to be a dick about it, you get a box and you shove your receipts in there. And if you're going to be really good about it, you go over it every month and make some like lovely spreadsheets. Like I do. That <laughs> was a I humble bet, brag. <laughs> I bet they look good. Um, now I'm getting turned on. Just kidding. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Guys, who said administration work wasn't sexy? Not us. <laughs> I'm a t-shirt with that. <laughs> Um, well, to answer your question, the, the, um, yes, receipts for sure. You do need to keep them. They actually are mandatory because they are the proof that that expense that you are just self-reporting on your taxes, the IRS is, um, you know, they're allowed to, they reserve the right to check them at any time. That's called an audit. Um, so they can just check in on if you're telling the truth or not by, you know, being like, okay, this year, show me. And then you have to have those receipts. It's very uncomfortable if you get that letter that asks for them and you don't have them. Um, can I give your audience like a super, super awesome tip for just keeping your receipts in order without ever having to sort them? Yes. Please. Please. Um, okay, here's my, here's my, uh, my tip. What I do with my art receipts and your art receipts are anything that is you know, ordinary and necessary in your business. That's IRS language. You get the receipt, you go to the art store, you get the receipt, you stick it in the front of your wallet. So you have your little section of your wallet where you stash your receipts. Always put the receipt you just got in the front. Just do that. That's the only habit you need. You never have to look at them again. As long as you always put the recent one in the front, then your receipts without ever you touching them will remain in chronological order. And then you want to get a file folder and stick it in your, you know, some corner of your house, some dark corner. It doesn't, you're never going to have to go there unless you're audited, but you, you do it by year because audits come by year. So you don't want to have them all together. You want to have it like you get an audit for 2018. You can pull out the 2018 folder and you don't have to deal with 2019 or 2017. So you just, when your wallet gets too full of receipts and you don't want them in there, you go to that year receipt you know, that, that file folder for that year's receipts and you put them in the front, then yeah, just chills. think about it. They're still Hot. in chronological order. No sorting ever, ever, ever. And in fact, sorting receipts is just a horrifying waste of your time. Yes. This is turning into an OnlyFans account. Don't even know. It's getting hot. It's getting hot in here. Um, honestly, like you just like blew my mind. And it's such a simple, good idea. And like, you changed my life. Um, oh. I just fell in love. Uh, I can't even handle Basically, it. Basically, Alexis is going to start doing that now. I am. Like, As literally of today. today. <laughs> I love it. Do it. Do it. It's awesome. Yeah. <laughs>
amazing. Um, no, it's, oh God, yes. Um, yeah. Also like the files with the years on it. The years is great. And remember the email counts too. Like people are always confused because they do online stuff and they're like, well, I don't get a receipt. Well, you usually do get a confirmation. Yeah. Right? You get a confirmation. So I do screenshots of like my thing because sometimes the emails go to spam. So. Oh, oh, that's good. If they're going to spam that, 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 that ticks a box. That's really good. Cause I get yeah, so do I do in stuff. my inbox. I do the same method. So I go by year. I have a, uh, you know, art receipts, 2020 art receipts, 2019 by so year. Easy. You just, when you get it, you just go put them in that folder and then you have it. So if you ever get audited, you don't have to go through a whole mess. You just yeah. have it there. Yeah. Cause it's like, which Amazon purchase are you talking about? Which, you know, who knows? It's so good. Awesome. Um, well, the there... other, the other key thing, if you'll let me give your yes, audience please. another one. The other really key thing that people need to know to do is they must separate their business and personal bank accounts. When you do that, magic happens because then, and then what you want to do is only all the income you earn from your art activity. And that can be anything. It's not just like sales of paintings, but speaker fees or, you know, like, you know, I get random little, like a random little commission or, you know, whatever little random bits you get to. Um, you want to deposit all that money into the bank, the business bank account. And then you want to make all your expenses, your business purchases out of that business account, never out of personal. And then that way your bank record, not your receipts becomes the basis of your bookkeeping. So you can do all your bookkeeping just by printing out each month's bank statement. Um, and it's all documented there. So that's, that's the beauty. Uh, here's a question. What mm -hmm. if you got your, got like more outgoing than you got incoming at the moment for your business and maybe you know have like your credit card but you can't afford to pay the bill and you don't want your interest rate do you deposit from your personal into your business because that's where your other money is like how would that work yeah that's a great question and actually that i think is the number one reason that holds people up from actually doing the separation but i'm going to say Every single person, regardless of your cash flow issues here, your income situation, you still need to separate. But so the issue you're talking about is basically comes down to, I'm going to use an accounting term here, um, equity. So we tend to think like a lay person tends to think about just two categories. There's income and there's expenses. So you know about those things. But in accounting, there's this whole third secret category called equity. And equity is just investment in the business. So it's not income to the business through the business's activities. Like if I, um, like Alexis, if I buy a painting through your gallery then, or through your um, services, um, then that's income to your business. That's taxable income to your business. But if I come in as an investor and I say, I really like what you're doing. I'm going to support your business. I'm going to like buy some stock in your business. That's equity that's not a taxable moment for you because it's not coming in through sales. It's me making an investment of my money into your business. So I just, you know, whatever, put $5,000 into your business bank account. It went up by 5,000 for sure, but that's not taxable. So um, then it goes the other way too. When you, so you can on a smaller scale, like just to bring this down to the MFA student who just graduated, I was there once myself. Um, you, 
you know, I graduate from my MFA program and I want to get my first studio and I need to put that security deposit down on the studio and I don't have any money. <laughs> so I, um, you move it, you do a transfer from personal to business account and that's called an equity transfer. And that's how you'd actually label it in your bookkeeping. Um, and it's totally fine to do that. And generally bookkeeping will help you track those equity transfers. Then also when you want to pay yourself, it goes the other way. So then say I sell out my first show. Um, Congratulations. I, it's amazing. Well, this is a theoretical example. I did not sell out my first show. <laughs> I had some very moderate sales. <laughs> sold anything. It's big. I sold something. <laughs> but then if I want to pay myself, I do not go make personal expenses out of the business account. I'm not going to go buy groceries or pay rent out of the business account. That is actually a huge red flag. Don't do it. You want to pay yourself officially by just making a transfer from your business account to your personal account. And that's just called an owner's draw. And again, it's an equity transfer and it's not taxable. It's um, just like if I move money in, um, also moving money out, neither one are taxable. Yeah. Yes. Um. Okay, if there was so besides savings, receipts, business things, I mean, is there anything like what I mean it's really they have to pay themselves. You have to you have to price your things properly. You can't Definitely. spend ten hours on something and charge someone twenty bucks for it. That's crazy. Oh, this is a good question. Um, so along this lines, the that's a bold statement, very narcissistic. This is a good question. All right, artists get hit up all the time for donations, oh. for silent auctions, big auctions, any kinds of things like that for, you know, fundraisers. How, like, yes, it's good to do it. You have to track how many you're doing because you are kind of losing money, but it can be a tax write-off. Like, what's the, what's going on with that? Yeah, I got some sucky news for you on that. Yeah, give us the um, sucky news. Give us the bad <laughs> stuff. I can link to another article I wrote Please. about that. Um, so the way that donations work, uh, the way when artists are asked to donate work, the thing about it in us law and Erica, I'm sorry, I can't speak to UK law. I hope it's better. Um, <laughs> but in the U S you can't donate service. You can only donate stuff. Like you can only get a write off for stuff. So the problem is when I, as a painter donate a painting to a fundraiser, um, the only, it's a, that painting to me is a self-created asset. That's the IRS's word for it. And so the value of that to me on my tax books is just the cost of that like 10th of a tube of cadmium red and the canvas on a couple stretcher bars, like virtually nothing. But, so, but basically you're saying that if you use the same paint and canvas as like Mr. Gerhard Richter, you guys would get the same tax write-off for the same paint and canvas. He's not getting a better. Yes. He's nice. not getting a better. Yes, guys, that is true. Is... <laughs> but also it's worse than what I just said. Because oh, no. the thing is, if you're a professional artist, you're already writing off your supplies. So I've already written off that canvas and that um, cadmium red as supplies expense. And you are not allowed to double, double deduct anything. So you get, if you've written off the canvas already, which you were entitled to, you get zero for donating artwork. Zero, wow. zero, nothing. It's horrible. 
So then to me, that says like, if I'm an artist, basically, if I'm going to donate, I got to love the cause. They have to treat me well. They have to say thank you. Some of them don't. Oh, some of them don't. Some of them <laughs> they don't. Have to say thank you. I mean, I've donated some, like, I'll, I'll shout out the good ones. I'm not going to shame the bad ones, but there are a lot of you out there and I know who you are. Um, <laughs> but Groundswell, I've donated to Groundswell, which is like a mural. Um, they do like youth engagement in New York City. And I've worked with them and they're great. So like they let the artist have 50% of the proceeds. They give you the name of the collector so you can follow up with the collector. Um, oh, that's great. You know, and they give you tickets to their gala. I, I'm sorry, I don't usually go to those. But, but still, uh, if you want to go. <laughs> yeah, you're invited. you're invited. I do think that is a courtesy for sure. Yeah. Now there is a tricky thing. So like if somebody buys my painting and they donate it, they can donate it for the co the price that they bought it for. So yep. that is why fancy collectors get big tax write-offs because they bought the thing. They didn't create the thing, but the law is very unfair to the creator. Yeah. Um, or it's, you know, it doesn't benefit us. So I like to, I like to say like, I want artists to keep our generous spirit. I think it's one of the wonderful things about artists, but it gets abused horribly. So Absolutely. And it's hard once you start, it's a can of worms. People will see that you donated to that. And so they'll hit you up and they'll hit you up. And sometimes again, like you said, it can be like a really beautiful relationship and you're supporting a cause you love and they're supporting you as an artist, but mm -hmm. just, you know, sometimes it's okay to say no. And like if a place that you don't like, or they're not treating you well, you say no to, that's a good thing. And also oh, yeah. this is something I've talked about with many people, um, artists, especially like, they'll try to shame you into donating. And like, if they're really jerks about it, they might like kind of get like a little threatening. Like, well, you know who we like our collectors are and stuff. Uh, don't listen to them. If I had a dollar for every time someone threatened my career in the art world, I'd have like five bucks um, and I'm still here. So, you know, like people, they'll try to, they'll try to do this and they'll try to talk about who they know. But if their attitudes like that, usually when, you're talking to people who would have an impact on your career. Um, those people know it too. Mm. So they'll be like, Oh yeah, sure. Susie. I, I, I bet, I bet Hannah's terrible. Oh yeah. Sounds like a real bad situation, but you know, they don't, they know. So don't worry about that. Don't worry about saying no. And also nonprofits should understand like that, you know, you're also a creator. So it's just, the shame game can kind of take it to a place and because of generous spirits and abuse, but it's very like, this is a very good place to say no, if you can't afford it. Well, sure. um, because also like they're, they need money too, obviously. So like they should understand, they should be the most understanding. <laughs> I hope so. And I hope there's some incentive for them to run their, um, their charities better, you know, yeah. to run, run their, their, uh, their benefits better. I also, you know, I like to advise artists to just like, create a budget for themselves for donating work. Mm -hmm. Like you don't have to say yes to everything. It doesn't mean you're saying no to everything. You can say, um, you can say like, I'm going to donate five drawings per year to benefits and you can choose the ones that you like. And if somebody comes to you, you can say, you know what? I've reached my donation budget for the year. Try me next year. Yeah. And you're not giving a hard no. You're just giving a kind of respecting your own boundary. And who wants to give away tons of 
free work. I don't know about you. I've, I've got kids now. I can't make work as fast as I could when I was in my twenties. <laughs> exactly. Amazing. Um, so tell me where we can find more about this information, because I do know that you have online courses. That is true. Um, I will, my website, sunlighttax.com is where you can find most of what I offer. And I also have a pretty active Instagram where I give um, tax tips every Monday. Um, that's my handle. Is subscribe sunlight. people, subscribe. It's very <laughs> looking it up now. Um, yeah, my, so that's sunlight tax. Um, but yeah, so you can, you can find, and I'm, I'm always trying to work on and figure out, like, I really like to talk to the people who follow me and like, see what they want to learn and see what they're interested in. I, it was from talking to people on my Instagram that I just decided to offer this new thing I'm about to launch this week, um, which is a bookkeeping accountability session, which is just like, because people have been telling me, like, I asked, like, what's your number one problem with bookkeeping? And everybody's like, actually, it's just making myself do it. Like, I know, I know I need to do it. It's just like making my butt sit in the chair. And I was like, what if you paid a nominal amount and I was there with you on a group Zoom call and it's just your time, you just do it. And you know that if you hit a snag, you've got me there to answer questions. So I sort of developed that because I talked to people. So um, I like to listen. I'm an artist too. So I like to hear what, what's bugging you so I can help, you know, try and find out clever solutions. <laughs> that's so great it's it's nice to know when someone's there because you're just like i don't i don't know what to do mm-hmm. which seems to be like my number yeah. one thing i have no idea what i'm and doing and sometimes you reach out and they don't get back to you for two days and it's not is they're busy and then you stop and nothing gets done and then you talk and it's like oh we're just chatting who knows um I don't know. I love it. If you reach out to me, um, you know, April 10th, I will not get back to you because. Yeah. (laughs) Understandable. Yeah. (laughs) I do have tax season is pretty gnarly for me. So (laughs) I do, I do get busy and non-responsive at that time of year. Fair. Super fair. Perfect. Um, So tell us about money bootcamp. Well, money bootcamp is, um, it is a program that I built based on my work training in different tax shops where I learned that uh, this is the five minute, the full five minute version of this, um, where I learned that you cannot run a successful, profitable tax business if you answer people's questions um, or get, you know, basically give them much service because it's a commodity. You have to compete against TurboTax and H&R Block. So you really can't charge enough um, if you, if you spend any time with people. So from the client perspective, a middle-class person coming in to a tax shop paying to have their tax return done, that's a lot of money to them. And it's for a lot of them, it's their only touch point with a financial person or an accountant all year. And they think they're being taken care of and they're not. They'll get the tax return done, but they will get no advising, nothing at all. And so I kept realizing like this person came in and they really needed to know about the tax, the IRAs and the fact that they could have opened a SEP IRA and it would, they would have been able to put 20% of their freelance income in there and, and lowered their taxes, but you weren't willing to stop and tell them about it because it would make you lose money on that tax return. So anyway, I find that immoral and unethical. It's not the business I want to be in. So I don't even take tax return work by itself. I only take people when they're in my 
money bootcamp program. And I developed a year long membership program where people, they do these four quarterly like bookkeeping accountability sessions with me, but I have a, once a month, uh, um, like a training on one of the pieces of financial knowledge you need to have sort of holistically to get your whole like stuff to get your shit together basically. So like I teach a unit on investing. I teach a unit on tax shelters. I teach a unit on artist deductions. Um, I, I used to teach a unit on audit, but it was so unpopular. <laughs> <laughs> no one wants to like go into Mordor. They're like, mm, nah. Yeah, they're like, if it happens, I wanna, I'm going to call you. I, it's a future me know. problem. <laughs> yeah. So, but, uh, you know, like personal finance, like making your own personal finance roadmap. I'm trying to do one on the racial wealth gap just to like, you know, get people kind of yeah. about sort of larger equity issues in the tax code. But yeah, so I, that's that's what Money Bootcamp is. And I uh, can't remember what my original point was. Oh, it's that when I discover cool people in the finance and creative space, I invite them to be a guest and to teach with me as part of it. And then I give, I have this agree, like a licensing agreement I worked out where they profit when they sell the course like so they co-own it with me and so to me that's like an example of this like I find someone who's like kick ass on personal finance um they do they teach a course for me I get my audience excited about it and then they can get their audience and they can have the profit from that so look at this rising tide all boats place of abundance everything's raising this is incredible yeah What have you been reading, writing, watching, listening to this week? Um, this week, let's see. I'm reading a cool non. Um, well, I just read this wonderful book um, on Earth. We're briefly gorgeous by. Um, oh, I'm gonna. You like that? I loved it. Did you read it? I can't. Why no, can't I have it, it in my um, in my to read pile. Um, he it's he so good. It is so good. You can tell that he's a poet. It's, mm -hmm. I think he's a poet, and I'm so sorry to the author. Ocean Vuong? Ocean Vuong, that's what it is. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. I wanted to give credit. Um, you can just read in it that he's a poet. It's so beautiful. And it's, um, I grew up in New England, and he, it takes place in Hartford. And um, it's just such a cool, like, it's, it's just such a specific view of the world it's very awesome and interesting um yeah i also got this book called um decolonizing wealth and so for my more business brain side i'm really interested i've been doing a lot of equity work and um trying to get as fluent on the racial wealth gap as i can and so um definitely i'm following a lot of um people who work in the diversity, equity, and, and inclusion world. And so I'm reading this book, Decolonizing Wealth, which is pretty cool. Um, yeah. So we, got, we know where to find you. We know what you're doing. We know what you do. It's all amazing. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh my gosh. Thank you both for having me, Erica. Thank you for the amazing tip. I know. <laughs> I hope it's you like, use them. <laughs> I'm going to ask Alexis every day now, are you putting those receipts in I the am. front? 
because I never do. I always, it's like I'll stick them in and there's like five different things. And I always, I'm just like, oh, whatever. And I'll pull them out. I have an envelope that are like stuffed and then I organize them. And I, my screenshots are better because it's screenshots by date. So it's like, I have like a little folder on my computer and that's like super nice. But the receipts, I'm, I'm messed with them because I just shove them back in. I get like panicked when I'm like checking out of anything and I'm like, Oh, let's put things in my thing. Let's get out of the way. So the next person can exchange money for goods. Uh, I can't, I can't do it in a chill way. I'm not, I'm not a chill person. So there's my shame guys. There's my shame. But this, um, there's so much shame around these, these things in general. You're, you're in good company. I'm excited though. My wallet's like, Ooh, we like a new thing. <laughs> oh my god all right sorry i'm such a cheese ball thank you so much have such a good rest of your weekend and uh thank you thank you thank you, thank you. i thank you for what you're doing i think it's really awesome so thank you for having me bye bye, bye.